4: I'm Vioza. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novela, which is a fancy way of saying a a podcast. podcast.
1: Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9 Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio.
6: Well, yep, that's right. You heard the man. It's that time of week. My name is Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada, Fox Sports Radio. TireRack.com, we'll help you get there. Got unmatched selection, fast-free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Tons of stuff to get to tonight. I'm going to call an audible at the bottom of the hour, 1130 p.m. Pacific, uh, 2.30 a.m. Eastern We're going to have our Friday night midnight hour. Hey, it's big world. It must be midnight somewhere at 1130. We've got to dive into this Russell Wilson situation. It's an oddball story that's taken a left turn. Whose side are you on? Are you on the Broncos' side? We've got data that supports his decision. That would be Sean Payton, master the pronoun. We've got data that might suggest Russell Wilson didn't perform that poorly. And now Russell Wilson's saying he would really still like to stay we want to hear from you at 1130 at on Fox. The Midnight Hour at 1130 we call an Audible. Plenty of ball games tonight. We'll be talking about none of them. Look it up on the internet. Not that big a deal. Do I love ball games? Yeah. Are there too many? No. There's plenty. I like them. I watch them. We got more important business to get to. In a minute, I'm going to get to what I think is the biggest story of the NFL now. From the couch, not Tim Couch. Remember Tim Couch? From the couch to the playoffs but first NBA history was made Thursday night and it might be made again Saturday your beloved Detroit Pistons four and a half point home underdogs against the Toronto Raptors should the Pistons lose that game 29 in a row maybe later in the show we'll check in on where that well where that compares in terms of all-time teams that stunk and all-time losing streaks because uh, you know look all of a sudden now it's not just about the streak i've talked to my media peeps in detroit this pistons team is bad they're becoming arguably the worst team in nba history and that's making their games a must watch that's making the end of their games a must a must watch you say to yourself is tonight the night they break the historic losing streak is it And I relate to this because, remember, I covered the Lions for 10 years, pre and post, and my final year was 2008. Rod Marinelli and the Lions went 0-16. I was there, saw it up, up close and personal. Why do I bring it up? Because you could clearly see as the season progressed, their opponents, they did not want to be the one to lose to the Lions. And I am getting that when I watch the Pistons, all right? Thursday night, you watched. Well, maybe you didn't, but you paid attention or you at least heard about it. The Pistons jumps out. They jump out to a 66-47 halftime lead against one of the best teams in the NBA, the Celtics, in Boston. Maybe they are the best team. Now, what a story that would have been had they beaten the Celtics uh, in Boston as 18-point underdogs. If you bet the Pistons on the money line, plus 900. Of course, you got the rug pulled out from under your feet, but the Pistons were plus 830 on the money line in the first half, and you could have turned around and bet Boston plus 112 to win the game in the second half and cashed both. So, what happened? Well, you know what happened. The lead evaporated in a disastrous third quarter, and despite a heroic game-time tip-in by Bogdan Boganovich with 4.1 seconds left, the Pistons could not survive overtime. Celtics prevail, 128-122. The longest streak. Well, it now sits at 28 games, tying the Sixers from five years ago, but they were, that was the process team, remember? They were trying to tank. Detroit, who last won before Halloween, ironically, they started out 2-1 and one this year. Yeah, now they're 2-29. and 29. Well, here we go, Saturday night. They can set the record or avoid it. They face the visiting Toronto Raptors who aren't exactly lighting it up themselves. They're 12 and 18. So where do the Pistons go from here? I don't know. Home, dinner, maybe a show? You're going to be paying attention. We'll talk about it on the Saturday night edition of the Bernie Frato show. I think history might be made. We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of history, with their convincing 37-20 win over the New York Jets' Thursday night, the Cleveland Browns now become the third AFC team to clinch a playoff spot. And it's only Cleveland's third postseason appearance since they returned back to Cleveland in 1999. They beat the Bengals in the season finale. Well, that would give the team the most wins since 86, and that was a Super Bowl-bound team until Ernest Biner dropped the ball going over the goal line, which put, well, you know what happened. You can thank John Elway. It has been a very tumultuous season for the Browns, but it's having a happy ending. Well, not that kind. You know what I mean, work with me. They've started four different players at quarterback. Kevin Stefanski, the only NFL head coach in history to win four games with four different quarterbacks in the same season. They were actually five and one in games started by Deshaun Watson. Remember him? You got about 238 million reasons why you should remember him. He suffers a season shoulder injury season-ending shoulder injury in November. You bring in local product from Bishop Gorman High School here in Las Vegas, UCLA's own Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He starts three games, and then PJ Walker started two. Thompson-Robinson gets injured. Walker's struggling. Joe Flacco, enter Joe Flacco. You gotta love Joe Flacco. He's thrown for more than 300 yards now in four straight games. Thirteen touchdowns. He's lighting it up. He's 38 years old. Six weeks ago, he's on his barca lounger, pining to get a TV job. Jets weren't interested. Nice call, Jets. That was probably to save Aaron Rodgers' ego. How'd that work out for you? So all of a sudden, Joe Flacco starts week 13 against the Rams. Now the Browns actually lost that game, but since then, Big Joe Flacco. Four straight victories, and he's propelled him into the playoffs. Now, he turns 39 in two weeks, coincidentally, about the same age as Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers just turned 40. Spent most of the season sitting at home, waiting for a team to call before Cleveland got desperate after the injuries, et cetera, et cetera, and they gave him a shot to work on the practice squad. Now, some quarterbacks, I'm not going to mention their name, you know, Colin Kaepernick, beneath them, But not Joe Flacco. He says, I'll go. He accepted. It paid off. Now, Flacco hasn't been perfect. He has thrown eight picks. We've got to be fair here. But I really honestly think, and again, Cleveland's got an outstanding defense, but they've always had a good defense in recent years. And they've got an aggressive defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz. But I think Joe Flacco is the reason the Browns are where they are. Prove me wrong. He's averaging 325 passing yards per game. He surpassed the 300-yard mark in four straight games. He's the only player in Browns history to do so. And the Browns have had some good quarterbacks going back about 60 years. Now, they needed Flacco to step up. Why? Because the running game has been struggling. They're only averaging 2.5 yards per attempt in those last four games. And the defense had been carrying the team. Now, ironically here, we talk about the Jets not being interested the reason I say it's ironic is because Flacco is what the Browns needed and, and, and the Jets are what they'd hoped to get out of Aaron Rodgers and the Browns are what the Jets had hoped to be this season, if you followed all that. They have a tremendous defense that had to make up for serious offensive deficiencies. However, the Jets, they haven't had any kind of comparable success in quarterback that the Browns have had. As a matter of fact, the Jets, they haven't had a three, uh, 300-yard net passing game the entire season. So it would be crazy to suggest that the Jets, who actually employed Joe Flacco the last three years and could have brought him back at any time this season, would be playoff bound if instead of Zach Wilson and Trevor Simeon had been handed the keys to the car. But I digress. I get it. The Browns have better receivers. But still, Jets fans have to be wondering, might they have salvaged some semblance of the season had they given Joe Flacco a shot? So the question is, and by the way, listen, you have, to, you have to believe this. Flacco's run with the Cleveland Browns this season is one of the best stories in the NFL. He waited all year again, again, again. You, you get the story. The Browns history, it's been marked by complete instability at quarterback. Watson's injury could have sunk the season the same way that Rodgers did for the Jets, but it didn't. So regardless of how it ends, a very memorable season in Cleveland. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know, but if I wake up on February 12th, anything, I'll believe anything at this point, right? Does Flacco have a chance to win a Super Bowl? Well, he won one already, so he has a chance. It doesn't feel real. Later on, we're going to get into the playoff scenarios and the playoff bracket and such, but if the season were to end today, Cleveland would visit Jacksonville, and you know who I would like in that game, so... You know give me a you know what give me a Cleveland Baltimore or a Cleveland Miami AFC championship game or even a Cleveland Kansas City and I'm all over it uh, like a hobo on a ham sandwich Go Browns the city of Cleveland good fans, good people you deserve to have something good happen one of my all-time favorite 30 for 30s in ESPN was Believeland. Outstanding. tonight's show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place, bundle and save at progressive.com. Coming up, the legend, my good buddy, Bill Krakenberger. We're going to talk about this dicey Week 17 slate. And the crack man, he's tremendous at finding those games where, you know, maybe you're out, you're out, but you want to pee on somebody's parade. We'll find you a couple of those games, and we'll break down the Dallas a Detroit game, which is a standalone game, Saturday night, 5 o'clock Pacific, and all kinds of money is coming in on the Lions. We will we will dive into why that's the case. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrat.com Studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to The Bernie Fratto Show Fox Sports Radio.
7: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
8: I hope to describe it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the
1: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. do you love selena
0: like really love
1: whether you saw her live saw the movie as a kid or saw her looks all over tiktok there's no shortage of reasons to stan the queen of tejano
6: Hi, we're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from the com studios here in Las Vegas. At this time, let's welcome in a gentleman, a national figure, one of the brightest, sharpest minds in the history of sports betting, a true Vegas aficionado and ambassador, proud to call a good friend. You've heard him on my show many times. He's becoming a household name on the Fox Sports Radio Network. Say hello to Bill Crackerberger. Crackman, always a pleasure. Hey, Bernie, thanks for having me on, buddy. Always. Uh, I want to dive into this slate. I think there's a theme this weekend that I'm looking forward to getting your thoughts. One of those interesting weekends where our, there are teams that are going nowhere, but they have a chance to pee on someone else's parade. Trust me, I, I covered a lot of bad Lions teams who took great pleasure in beating teams in December they weren't supposed to beat. But first, I want to start in Dallas. you got a home team here who's won 15 in a row. The road home splits are amazing. Dallas is 10-1 and one as a favorite. Home favorite coming home when they're coming off a road loss, and yet the money is coming in on the Lions. That moves, I believe it's moved from six to four and a half. What are your thoughts on this game, Crack? Yeah, this game opened
9: up six, and uh, it's down to about five, you're right. Uh, some some Detroit money coming in. However, it's not any sharp money because I get usually the top plays from some of the syndicate guys, sports betting syndicate guys. Hasn't really been that much movement from anyone on, on that level. Um, you know it's funny, when this line came out a couple weeks ago, I actually took a little bit of a lean to the over 51, and then it was went up to like 54 when it came out this week. I actually caught it under 53.5, so I, I, I didn't want to middle it. I just thought that that was just too high of a number at the time, too. Uh, it, it's not something I normally do as middle uh, games, but... So I noticed this total is creeping down every day. It was at like 53, went to like 54. Now it's come down to 53.5, 53, 53, 52. It's down to 52, and I expect it maybe to even go a hair lower tomorrow uh, as this is one of the highest totals of the year. But, again, this, this is a game where these two teams, boy, I tell you, Byrne, I, I don't have a side on either one of these uh, the Lions, which you know that team very well, the, the the Lions have, at one time this season, they have been in my top five as a, as a strength power team for the year, and they have fallen out. And Dallas never really reached five, but they were on the cusp like six, seven, and they have still fallen down also. So I don't think either one of these teams are going anywhere uh, I do have a, a future at Dallas to win the NFC but I, I'm not going to be able to catch that I don't think uh, I, again either one of these teams whichever ones go the furthest good luck to them but I don't think they're going to the Super
6: Bowl fair I'm not involved in this game but it is a national TV game Saturday another marquee game Baltimore hosting Miami Baltimore off that big win I'm seeing three and a halfs out there now do you favor a side here
9: yeah, um, Baltimore opened up at 3. Went, to, went up to 3.5 off their, I'll call it their Super Bowl game they played last week uh, versus the 49ers. Uh, now they, you'll see some uh, back and forth a little bit. It's still around 3-20, like you said. There's some 3.5 here in Vegas. There's also some 3s with some juice. So uh, I'll just tell you, I can't back a team that – just played a game like Baltimore did. Same. They look fantastic. They look great. I can't put my money on a team back to back because just think about this. When that, I, I think by the time this game kicks off, the bookmakers are going to be rooting for Miami. So uh, there's going to be Baltimore money by, by the by the squares, by the, the you know the, the regular Joe crowd. And uh, if, if anything, I lean to Miami plus the three and a half in this game.
6: It's, it's an interesting number to me because Lamar Jackson at home in his career is 27 and 10 straight up, but only 14 and 23 against the number as a home favorite. Again. Not a game I want to be involved in. I want to talk about the Raiders, Indianapolis. This feels like a tricky game to me. Your thoughts?
9: Boy, some big money came in uh, this afternoon in Indianapolis on Indianapolis. This game, you know, just just 24, about well, 48 hours ago, it was three. Now it's up to four. Excuse be one second, Mark. <coughs> Getting all choked up over this. Uh, this four. Oh, good, I my seen. friend. It's going around. I didn't see I didn't see this four until about uh, an hour ago. Um, Indianapolis, um, listen—they need the game more than the Raiders. I understand the Raiders have an outside chance to get in the playoffs. And, and Bern, am I right by saying this? The Kansas City has to lose in order for them to, to even have a chance, right, to get in the playoffs?
6: Yes. The I'm going to go over that later in the show, but. Uh, for the Raiders to get in, uh, I mean, you basically have to have peace in the Middle East break out before they get in. They have a, they have to win and have to have a bunch of things happen. Uh, and we not it's even worth going down that road. It's but still, miracle. from a from a betting standpoint, this game is drawing a lot of interest.
9: Yeah, it, it is, and uh, it is on the favorite Indianapolis. Uh, now up to four, like I said, in one of the major sports books in town here you know, that control the market. Three and a half, the, the 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 really number that's everywhere. Uh, after Vegas' uh, unbelievable defensive um, job they did, a great defensive job they did versus the Kansas City Chiefs, I think it's hard to maintain that level. You know, they were in the locker room, Crosby and stuff, smoking cigars, partying it up. I don't know, man. I, I, I have to stay away from the side in this game, and uh, I just have to, uh, you know, watch the game from a fan perspective. But, um you know that four points awful. It looks awful, awful good after the Raiders had that nice performance last week, and Indianapolis. I just don't know with them. I thought they were going to be, you know, uh, you know, locking up a playoff position here when they really they're struggling here and jockeying for one.
6: Very true. Another game I think that's tricky. The Rams opened up, I believe, minus six at the New York Giants. I see the latest number at five and a half. You can correct me if that's accurate. The reason I feel this game is tricky. I think you're paying a little bit of a Rams tax here. People are goo about how well they've done. But if you go back 12 years, NFL home dogs in December, they're a tidy 83-50. and 50. The only set I can look to here would be the Giants plus the six. Your thoughts? Yeah, and you're, you're spot on.
9: The Giants, uh, Rams were six and a half. that opened up at down to five and a half, though. Some of the public liking the Giants. And um, I, I'll tell you I I just can't bet. This is another game. I can't bet the Rams on the road in this spot. The Giants have looked pretty good um, in, in some recent spots. Um, again, Vern, you have to excuse me here. I just can't over. It's a all cold. good. It's all good,
6: bud. It, it, especially, <laughs> with Tirob, especially with Terod. Especially with Taylor, they seem to be playing free and easy. There's no pressure. His mobility has opened things up. Kept plays alive. Readers, receivers decided to adjust their routes. So you're paying a Rams tax here. Uh, it wouldn't be surprised me if they went in there and won by a field goal. But your thoughts? Yeah, you know um,
9: that, that's that's a spot on uh, prediction there. You know Taylor is, is uh, and of course all the hype around uh, the pork, pork cutlets there, whatever his name is.
6: <laughs> yeah. He's on the bench now. <clears throat>
9: He's on the bench now. Uh, I was rooting for the kid. You know, his family sure. was making some food out in the parking lot. It was a fun thing. North Jersey guy. That's um, right. That's right. But this. This particular game, though, here, uh, and I want to keep this uh, alive for anyone about many different spots. Uh, Listen, guys, be careful with, like, must-win teams that have to win to get the playoffs because these other teams – they love to play spoiler, and that spoiler role. And I'll just say you this. If you're going to bet one of those must-win teams, and I'm not just looking at this game. I'm looking at even Week 18 being the more important week. Must-win games, if you're going to bet on that team, you better bet on it early in the week. Because I'll tell you one thing. Uh, the line's going to move up, and you're going to pay a tax Closer to game time, when everyone makes their decisions on the games, who are they going to play? They're going to play the ugly teams or the must-win teams. You can guarantee they're playing the must-win teams. That's just the public; they're fickle. They want to bet last second, so that's when the lines are. That's when the sports books are forced to move the line. Be real careful on must-win teams.
6: I've had a saying for thirty years: thirty-one of the thirty-two NFL teams will lose the game they must win. So never bet a must-win team, making that your key focal point. Crack, last one for me. We have a de facto playoff game in Seattle. Pittsburgh heads into town. If Pittsburgh loses, they're eliminated from the playoffs for sure. Meanwhile, the Seahawks give it up to Pete Carroll. 10 to 12 years, he's gotten them into the playoffs. Here's the deal. The Seahawks are battling and fighting for playoff position as well. The C- Do you believe uh, Seattle covers that number, or can Pittsburgh hang that number, or perhaps upset the uh, Seahawks outright? Three and a half well, you pick, is what I'm seeing. You, you hit on a game I like. Uh, I, I actually do lean
9: Seattle here, but I mm-hmm. can't lay the three and a half now that there was freeze out there everywhere, which is the keyest number in the NFL, of course. Uh, I, I'd have to look more at a money line on the game now if you're going to pick uh, Seattle. And listen, I think Seattle is, is, a, is a better team than Pittsburgh. I understand uh, Pittsburgh's also won the hunt here. Pittsburgh got really lucky throughout the year and won a lot of games they probably shouldn't have won. They were out yardage, outplayed, uh, just got a little bit lucky. And they also have a great coach. I understand Uh, I mean, of course, I I think Carroll's also a great coach, but um, the Pittsburgh coach has been around for a long time. He knows how to keep close in games, and and he knows how to get to the the playoffs. But, um, you know, he doesn't have that that, that same quarterback he had for a decade and a half under the the center there. So I like Seattle in this spot. I think they're the home team. They're the better team, and I think they'll get the
6: money. Crack, take care of yourself. Happy holidays. Talk soon, pal. Thanks for everything. Thanks, Bernie. It's a legend, Bill Crackenberger. You'll hear him Sunday mornings, by the way, on Countdown to Kick Kickoff. All right, coming up, dial him up, 877-99 on Fox. We're doing a little tricky audible here. Our midnight hour we're going to do at 1130 because we're having Mark Medina on at midnight. So I want to get your thoughts on the Russell Wilson situation. You saw what happened, but the story keeps taking a left turn. All of a sudden, he's got sympathizers on his side. And, oh, by the way, Russell Wilson now says he wants to return. Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. That's here from you. Your chance to get in. But first, let's go to our guy, Kevin Wyatt, with the latest.
10: Developing story in college football as ESPN is reporting that the NCAA is conducting an investigation into allegations that an unnamed college football program gained unauthorized access to materials from Catapult which provides video services for uh, several schools. Catapult Sports did confirm that it has conducted an investigation into the allegation but did not find a breach of its system. The company said it is cooperating with local authorities and the NCAA. As for the action on the gridiron. Missouri wins the Cotton Bowl in a defensive struggle with Ohio State, 14 to three, as the Tigers got all 14 of their points in the fourth quarter. The Buckeyes held scoreless after the first. Notre Dame dancing all over Oregon State, 48 to win the Sun Bowl. Number 22 Clemson comes from behind to beat Kentucky, 38-35, to win the Gator Bowl. Memphis wins on their home field against Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl, 36-26. NFL news: In addition to not having Russell Wilson, at least uh, not starting on Sunday for. Denver, they ruled out Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton for Sunday's game against the Chargers due to a concussion. Jerry Judy, questionable due to an illness. Chargers ruled out Keenan Allen and Joshua Palmer for Sunday's game against the Broncos due to injuries. Joey Bosa also out. Jacksonville ruled out Trevor Lawrence for Sunday's game against Carolina due to a right shoulder injury. C.J. Bethard will get the start. Raiders listed Josh Jacobs as doubtful for Sunday's game at Indianapolis due to a quad injury. Chiefs ruled out Kadarius Tottenham. For Sunday's game against Cincinnati, listed running back Quiet Edwards-Alaire, Isaiah Pacheco, and wide receiver Nicole Hardman as questionable. New Orleans running back Alvin Kamara is questionable for Sunday at Tampa Bay due to an illness. And Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel is saying that Tua Tagovailoa is expected to play at the Ravens. However, they have ruled out wide receiver Jalen Waddle. Jamar Chase limited in practice again today, according to head coach Zach Taylor. He said, we'll see regarding Chase's chances to play against the Chiefs. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin confirming it'll be Mason Rudolph getting the start against the Seahawks on Sunday. And Titans coach Mike Brable said it'll be Will Levis coming off a high ankle sprain getting the start against the Houston Texans. As for the NBA, some uh, scores from the West Coast. Clippers make it 11 wins and 13 tries against the Grizzlies. They win 11 106 Trailblazers beat the Spurs 134-128. Suns over the Hornets 133-119. Back to you, Bernie.
6: Thanks, Kevin. All right, phone lines are jammed. Uh, Steve, Poppy, Jordan, Nathan, hang tight. We're going to get to you in just a second. Let's set this up. As you know, the Broncos... They have turned into a hedge play firm, and uh, there's no reason. There's no doubt in my mind they got rid of uh, Russell Wilson for money reasons. Okay, when the record books are written, he, he will have shown to have had an 11 and 19 record. And remember, the Broncos gave up five draft picks and three players: Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks. And we'll get into the mechanics of this a little bit later as well, in terms of the the uh, Comments coming out of Denver and the thoughts being made, but let's let's get to the phones because people want to weigh in. Steve from Kansas, start us off tonight. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Russell Wilson situation
7: in Denver? Hey, Bernie, great great pro- great program tonight. Um, Thank you. I, I'm just kind of mystified when I watch these guys like Ryan Clark go on talk shows and start trashing the the coach of the Denver Broncos. Let, let me give you overall opinion of Russell Wilson. He's he rode that defense to a Super Bowl. Um, he's kind of a borderline Hall of Famer. You know, he doesn't deserve an office within the the Denver the Denver uh, uh, leadership. Uh, the the guy is 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 a cancer in in the clubhouse, and they the Walton family is justified to cut him. He'll make. He's set for life. He'll make twenty million some somewhere else. I don't understand why we're whining. We're whining for this guy. He's he's annoying. He's annoying. It's all get out. I, most people don't like him. I mean, let's just let's just be honest right. here. Fair enough. I, ha, how can they how can they justify this kind of money for a loser like this guy?
6: Fair enough, uh, Steve. Let's just unpack just a little bit of that, and I graciously uh, appreciate your candor. Players are always going to stick up for players. He sees that Wilson threw for 26 touchdown passes and 8 interceptions. I see that Sean Payton never liked him. This was never going to work. You could tell by the body language and the demeanor between the two. And he couldn't move the team 30 yards to kick a field goal to beat New England the other night. I think that was the icing on the cake. So your points are well taken. Let's go to Poppy in San Diego. Poppy, your thoughts. Russell Wilson, whose side you on?
4: Yeah, well, you know, Russell Wilson, it seems like uh, same story, same day. Like, at Seattle, he had issues towards, like, the end of his years, And out here with the Broncos, with uh, uh, Sean Payton, he gave them a, a shot. My conspiracy theory is this. Sean Payton gave them a try. He never wanted to. So Fair. I know the Broncos, yeah, the Broncos are going to be playing this week in horrible games. Uh, I just say stinky chargers against the uh, Broncos. And then on that game, I'm going to give you a prediction. I'm going to
6: no, go. Hang on, on Poppy. Poppy. Yeah. Poppy. I don't want any predictions tonight. i got to get to a lot of callers. I wanted to okay, get okay. you a feeling. Well, All right, let's okay, well,
4: the... Yeah, yeah. I was just going to tell you the conspiracy theory. Well, the conspiracy theory is that Sean Payton's putting the back of uh, because why? He wants. Hey, Poppy. The Broncos
6: to Poppy. Do... Poppy. Are you on Wilson's side or Denver's side? Pick one. You know yeah, what? I,
4: I'm on Sean Payton's side because. Okay. And uh, I feel that uh, that's the right move with Sean Payton because he never wanted Russell Wilson. So yeah, I'm on uh, Sean Payton side.
6: Thanks. thanks, Poppy. Appreciate as always. And I I, th- I agree with Poppy. I don't think he ever wanted to be inherited. Him. He accepted him. I said I'll give it a try. The way they're doing this, they don't want him to get hurt. Because if he gets hurt, they're going to owe him an extra 39 million dollars. He's got an injury clause. He wouldn't waive. If he, if Russell Wilson is on the roster five days into the 2024 season, he's due another 39 million. He's already going to get to $37 million, whether he plays next year or not. Denver's taking an $85 million cap hit. So pick a side here. I would really like to uh, hear what your thoughts are. This became a highly charged story because Sean Payton was clear this wasn't going to work. Then people were defending Russell Wilson with his numbers. They weren't that bad. And now Russell Wilson says he wants to come back. Let's go to Jordan from Seattle. What are your thoughts on Russell Wilson? Whose side are you on, buddy?
11: Yeah, I I guess I'm kind of in the middle. I appreciate you taking my call. It's just bizarre to me. Uh, I I agree. It seems like Peyton's never really liked Russ. Um, But then there was always, not always, but the last few years of his tenure in Seattle reports uh, him trying to kind of push out Pete and get Peyton into into the Seahawks or team up with Peyton in some capacity. Um, So it seems like they had somewhat of a relationship there. Uh, But then the second that Peyton walked into the building, it almost seemed like he was anti-Russ and and didn't like the guy and didn't really want to work with the guy. Uh, I just don't – it's a little bizarre to me, and I don't quite understand where that relationship went.
6: All right, appreciate it, uh, Jordan. Again, we have a situation here. Peyton did not bring in – Russell Wilson, that was the prior regime that guaranteed him $242 million. He was 11-19 and 19 on the field. His numbers weren't horrible, but Peyton knows what it looks like to get to a Super Bowl, and he said, it ain't happening with this guy. Nathan, from the Bay Area, you're up next. Who sat are you on, Russells or the Broncos?
11: Yeah, well, I feel a little bad for Russell over the past couple of days with that little uh, press conference interview that we saw in the locker room. I, I kind of felt for him in that moment. But at the end of the day, I kind of knew that once Sean Ping came in, I know a lot of callers said this, but... You know, he was in the deep end without a floaty, you know. Sure, Ever sure. since Sean Payton came in. And I'm a Broncos fan, and I unfortunately have a Russell Wilson jersey for the Broncos. so I mean, that's tough on my part. But, uh, I mean, beside all that, you know, I definitely would, besides, you know, the jersey thing, I would still like to see him with the team because what we've seen from him over the past, you know, a few weeks, you know, he's been able to dial it in. I know that Patriots game was rough. But, I mean, we've seen him connect like never before with these deep passes that, honestly, up until this season, I haven't really seen from him. So I think, you know, despite Sean Payton maybe not liking him, bad blood being there, I still think that he has a chance. There's still some gold left in the pot there.
6: All right, fair enough. Uh, And you're not wrong. All all the callers have been excellent. You're not wrong, Nathan, in the sense that, there were times when russell wilson when he got off schedule moved that offense he seemed to be slightly stifled by sean Payton's scheme we had benjamin albright on wednesday night from denver and he confirmed that that's just what my eyes told me now do i think they're going to win a super bowl with a combination of peyton and wilson no so he cut bait and they're cutting their losses and it's costing them a fortune let's squeeze one more in here arthur from philadelphia what are your thoughts? You are you picking aside Russell or the Broncos?
7: Well, let me say this. Correctly from more. according to his contract, it, if he fails a physical, he has to get thirty seven million or something like that? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Well, I mean, no disrespect to the guy. I mean, you know, he's a true winner. And you put that aside. I mean, no disrespect. I mean, you can't expect an organization to give you money <laughs> for the sake that you didn't hurt. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a a Sean Payton guy because I think he's overrated. He's won one Super Bowl, one nasty Super Bowl, and they, and they consider him a great coach.
6: All right, I appreciate you checking in, Arthur. Let's let's piggyback on something you said there in terms of would they owe Russell Wilson money if he didn't pass a physical? Yes. Here's the situation. He has an injury clause. If he were to get hurt in his final two games, this is a replay of what happened to Derek Carr last year with the Raiders. And coincidentally, Jarrett Stidham is right behind in the back seat ready to jump in. If you're telling me Sean Payton really believes that Jarrett Stidham gives him a better chance of winning the final two games than Russell Wilson, sure, sure, I'm going to have you drug tested. But we all know this is a big fugazi. Sean Payton wanted to get rid of him. This is the price they're going to have to pay. Just so everybody understands, if Russell Wilson would have been on the roster five days into the 2024 season, he's owed $39 million in addition to the $37 million he's already going to be getting for the 2024 season, whether he plays or not. The passing the physical part is directly related to getting hurt or not getting hurt. That's why they're not going to play him. They're hedging their bets. Denver... This is going to be a costly deal. $85 million cap hit. Again, they paid a fortune to get Russell Wilson two years ago. Five draft picks, two first-rounders included, additional three draft picks. Three players, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris. You basically gave up eight players for Russell Wilson to go 11-19. and 19. He had his moments, and he is polarizing. I had someone just tweet at me, Russell Wilson is a cornball. Fair enough. Some people like them, some people don't. This story got weird because a lot of people started to defend him and pick on the Broncos. It's their business. They can do what they want. And, oh, by the way, Russell Wilson wants to stay. That's where the story really gets weird to me. We're going to be able to squeeze in a couple more calls, 877-99 on Fox. Great job to the callers. I'm Bernie Frato. We are coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, TyRac.com studio, so keep it locked right here. You're listening to the
7: Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm
11: Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto.
8: Listen to Rappaport's
2: reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me,
8: Michael Rappaport, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
6: All right, the Bernie Fratto show continues. The callers have been outstanding, all thoughtful. Let's keep it going. Jason from South Dakota, you're up next. What are your thoughts on the Russell Wilson situation?
7: Well, I think uh, Sean Payton's doing the right thing. Um, Russell Wilson is nothing but an overrated game manager. Um, you know, when he was, before they, they let Russ cook in Seattle, he led the team and they were winning, but he wasn't completing more than 200 yards a game. He was just handing the ball off to Lynch and they had a great defense. Um, I will say that I want to give credit to Tyler Columbus. He's, he's an ex lineman for the Broncos. He tweeted out the greatest thing I've seen about this situation. He said, This situation. Is Tebow 2.0. He said the fan base is split down the middle on whether to keep him or to play him or bench him yes. or to play him, yes. and 95% of the GMs and coaches would not want him on the team.
6: Fair enough. Hey, strong call, Jason. Don't be a stranger. The midnight yeah. hour every Friday night on the Bernie Fratto show at midnight, start next week. We're going to, Shea had a great idea. We're going to ride this. Omar from Seattle, the belly of the beast. Russell Wilson, thumbs up, thumbs down.
4: um uh, Basically, thumbs down. Uh, but I don't like Russell's antics. I know he's not never been a great quarterback. He was probably top seven in his best years in Seattle. But honestly, Seattle rode him for good. There's so many seasons and so many games. I watched him win the game for Seattle in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter with great, you know, game. I mean, but I blame Sean Payton here. Like he knew that the Broncos got fleeced. They don't have draft capital. Still, the Broncos had to trade for him. He knew the dead money situation. Like, what are you doing? You think you're gonna do a quick turnaround? and rebuild your team in two years. I mean, you're stuck with Russ whether you like it or not because 85 million in dead cap money. And you know, the only thing that Kit Carroll did over the last ten years is he fleeced you know the the Broncos for Russell Wilson. But the couple of years that Russell between 2015 and 2019, he was top five, top seven quarterback. I would argue. Just Seattle did not put good teams around him. You know, uh, did he get sacked a lot? Yes. Does he hold on to the ball a lot? Yes. But he won so many games for Seattle with the worst offensive line in all of football. So. All
6: right, Omar. Uh, Omar, excellent call. Uh, covered a lot of ground there. Uh, we get to squeeze one more in here. Anthony from Hayward, your thoughts. We can see which direction this has been going. What are your thoughts?
7: I'm on uh, Russell Wilson's side. You know what? Okay. Let me tell you something. The Broncos are classless, okay? I don't care. This man came and played. The bottom line is you don't ask the man to cut, to change the contract that you he signed up. Now, because he don't want to change it, you want to sit him down. Yeah, that was real class. I, with, I agree. The problem that I have with Sean Payton is, okay... If you don't like him, be a man and stop being a coward. Okay, that's the problem that I have. Yes. How was like he a coward? So, he cut him.
6: He. How was he a coward? I don't get it.
7: He's a coward. You know why? He's a coward? Because he, he said that he said that the only reason that he's doing it is. Oh yeah, that
6: was weak. That was weak. Yeah. He's, that was a, weak. Liar.
7: That
6: was he's mean, a liar. He's a liar.
7: Hey, Anthony. I'm on Russell Wilson's side.
6: Anthony, I got I to gotta move along. I love this call. Strong, strong, strong. Appreciate you. Listen, I love how we have varied opinions. And everybody who got on the uh, airwaves tonight gave their opinion and justified it with, with their own relevant specifics. I'm very impressed. Every s- Friday night at midnight Pacific on the Bernie Friday Show, we're going to have a midnight hour topic like this. This one turned out to be polarizing. I agree with Anthony. Sean Payton, don't get up there and, you know, piss on everybody's shoes and tell us it's raining. That was weak as hell. You may not like Russell Wilson, just say it. Move on. You could already tell on the sideline he didn't. And hey listen, Russell Wilson's legacy is secure. He won a Super Bowl and got to another one. You could argue he should have two Super Bowls. Somewhere along the line he's polarizing. His story continues. Coming up, Mark Medina, Medina Magic. We dive into the NBA. Keep it locked. The Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. That's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Friday. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I want to thank all the callers again. You were very good. Every Friday night at midnight, this is what we're going to be doing the midnight hour. We call an all about tonight because we've got another special guest. Yes, you know him, you love him, can't live without him, our NBA guru. It's that time.
7: Mark Medina
6: with a little Medina magic, NBA magic. And, Mark, I don't know where else to start other than the fact that the Pistons are going for 29 and (laughs) a Saturday night and they're home underdogs against the Toronto Raptors. Give us your
12: thoughts. Well, I guess they have a shot because the Toronto Raptors aren't a good team either. They're 12-19, and 19, 13 games back in the Eastern Conference. So, I guess relatively speaking, the Pistons have much better odds than any of the streaks against them the, than they did earlier in the week against the Boston Celtics. Yeah, that's that's
6: true. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I'm going to say this in air quotes, load management on Victor Wimben-Yama. Uh What... <laughs> Kind of bring us up to snuff. What the game plan is there? Because I expected more. I, I'm, you know, I've been a little bit of a, a, a skeptic, not a skeptic, but I didn't want to, you know, you know, rush him into the Hall of Fame like
12: everybody else did. Your thoughts? Well, the Spurs uh, uh, Well, Spurs coach Greg Popovich said that uh, Wemby's going to be seen out for back-to-backs for a couple weeks and then also remain on a minute's restriction um, until further notice because uh, he's been dealing with an ankle injury. Um, so they want to be cautious. So he landed on the foot of a Mavericks ball boy during pregame warm-ups uh, on December 23rd. And since then he's been out with right ankle soreness. So it's kind of an unprecedented history. Usually it happens when the game starts, not in pregame warm-ups with a ball boy. But it isn't surprising they're doing the load management thing, because one, the Spurs are kind of the pioneers of this, but two, you know, it was expected from people around the league that they would handle him with care, not just because he's a star and that's the era that they're in, but uh, he's a rookie, he's a tall guy, and they want to just make sure that he can handle the rigors of the NBA season. So frankly i'm surprised that didn't happen even earlier and now we are talking still quarter of the season but i thought maybe uh they would have done it right off the bat did they by any chance sign the ball boy sounds like you might be a physical (laughs) down low uh, uh, well, he was on an opposing team's ball boys. So I don't think is that right. Any, uh, they don't have any influence. Yeah, he's the oh. Dallas Maverick, so maybe because of that, he's getting a raise. <laughs> there you go.
6: Speaking with Mark Medina, Medina Magic. Usually hear him on Saturday nights. We got a Friday night version. Uh, I want to talk quickly about the Phoenix Suns. They finally had their trio, their big three, play tonight. They won by fourteen. Granted, it was against the Hornets but they showed some flashes. Can the Suns possibly resurrect their season and become the type of team that people have hoped they would be for the last four years?
12: Well, they certainly can. They have the talent and personnel to do it. They just, that's a huge qualifier. they got to stay healthy. And so I think the good thing for the Suns right now, it's still early in the season. You know, if the season ended today, uh, they, they're only a half game back of making the play-in tournament. So there's, they are one of these teams that you're going to have to dismiss them at your own peril because you know, hey, if Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are still playing games, they can win any given game, and there's no Personality or role conflicts iron out. They all do distinguishably different things, but just the ultimate unknown that we've seen a small, a sample size quarter of the season where Bradley Beal hasn't been able to stay consistently healthy, and so I suspect that this is going to be an ongoing challenge throughout the season. But you know, you can't count them out only because uh, we're about to enter the new year, as opposed to it being you know March and April. But uh, I'm skeptical that. they can sustain this from a health standpoint but X's and O's uh, they have what it takes
6: so I'm coming to the conclusion that not only might he be the best basketball player in the world he might be the most down-to-earth human being in the world he's a celebrity he's got all the money he's got championships but he's sad he doesn't like being a celebrity your thoughts on Nikola Jokic he's been very vocal lately
12: yeah, well, this isn't surprising because Nicole Jokic always shuns the spotlight. He's refused to do any sort of interviews or campaigns for MVP when he was in the running for them. Uh, you know, When he won the championship, he was immediately lamenting that he couldn't go home to celebrate with his family in Serbia and he had to stick around for the parade. Now, I think what's gotten lost into this is Nikola Jokic loves the game. He's, He's not as aloof as he kind of portrays himself to be. And he's fine with the attention as far as the right things like he doesn't want to be seen as someone who's a self-promoter or wants to have the limelight he wants to make his teammates feel empowered so i think he's like any person like the love the respect but he's not one of these attention-seeking guys he wants to be about the work and nothing else
6: so he's kind of like lebron because lebron's not a self-promoter at all (laughs)
12: <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're a good audience, he, Mark. He doesn't tweet or post things on Instagram or
6: no, no, have a no. camera crew around him at all. Any of that stuff. It's not like he calls himself the greatest of all time. Nothing like that. Very humble. Uh, I want to talk about John Morant. I'm glad he's back in the league. He's exciting to watch. He's a He's a force multiplier. But after winning four in a row, he takes the night off in the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, it, uh, it was a reminder what they looked like without him. What, what was the situation and why, uh, after only four games, uh, John Moran took the night off?
12: Well, I believe it was just kind of handling his workload. That was nothing else. Uh, And, you know, when it comes to just wanting to do that uh, with any minor ailments, they're going to exercise on the side of caution. I don't think it was anything major, but I think that the reality is it shows that without John Moran, there are a lot of... Oh, my.
6: (laughs) Well, that is... So, he's had plenty of rest. I mean, listen, I don't want to be that guy, but did he really need to take a night off after four games? Well, I, I don't think it was his call. I think it's oh, okay. the
12: organization.
6: Yeah, I, I hate it. Steph Curry uh, talked about
12: that. I mean, well, they, they, yeah, they say he has an illness, but whatever. Fair <laughs> enough.
6: Well, I don't question that. If there's, if that's what the reporting, you don't know what you don't know, and I'm, I'm not privy to that situation. Another situation that's gone very much radio silent is the Draymond Green situation, and I will tell you, uh, I gave a pretty uh, terse statement about him last night. I don't think he'll ever change because I think everything he's done he believes is justified. Is there anything going on? What's the dialogue behind the scenes, Mark, uh, in terms of are they going to define what indefinite suspension
12: means? What's the next step? We're waiting for the other shooter drop. Yeah, the dialogue is that uh, it just sounds like crickets. And so I think uh, what that means is that. They're waiting and seeing, and they're also talking with the league to make sure that um, they're feeling satisfied with what Draymond's doing. Now, once the announcement was made, that was indefinite. The Warriors behind the scenes were talking about, you know, he's going to take some counseling with anger management and also, you know, make sure that they're not skipping steps so that he doesn't do this again and I'm with you in the sense that I don't think Draymond's going to fundamentally change who he is but I am optimistic with, you know, as someone who doesn't have a skin in the game, but optimistic of the scenario that I think that he can do enough to make sure that he's still available on the court. And frankly, Bernie, I don't think that's asking much. Like, these incidents with Nurkic and Gobert, they go beyond Draymond Green having an emotional outburst. Like, they're just idiotic. So, all I really think is going to be asked of him is don't punch a dude in the face and don't put someone in a chokehold. <laughs> <laughs> and case closed here. So, you know, uh, that part's simple, but the the other part that you mentioned about, you know, what's the next step? They've been intentionally quiet about all this because One, they don't know. This is ultimately going to be what the league decides, even if Draymond and his agent, Rich Paul, and the Warriors are talking with the league. But two, uh, I think they also just want to be sensitive to the fact that, for all intents and purposes, this is like an HR thing, where uh, he's doing different human resource things in terms of anger management. And with that, they're not going to discuss too much in depth.
6: Maybe he can vacation in Serbia and see how he likes it there for a while. You're a good audience, Mark. Mark, uh, great stuff as always. Uh, obviously, your fingers are on the pulse. Really appreciate what you do. A happy New Year. We'll be talking again soon, pal. All right. Happy New Year, man. That is Mark Medina, Medina Magic. You hear him every Saturday night on the Bernie Friday Show at midnight. We switched up this week. Listen, uh, this happens now and then in radio. I've been doing this 29 years, where there's such a highly charged story that's so polarizing. I can't. I want to reiterate, I'm so impressed with the callers that took the time to weigh in. I'm going to reopen the phone lines, because we are still in the midnight hour, and this is a segment we're going to be establishing on a go-forward basis in the Bernie Fratto Show. So if you didn't have a chance to get in, and you want to weigh in on the Russell Wilson situation, who's side are you on? Denver is cutting bait with them in an unceremonious fashion. And I appreciate what the one caller said. I I, I got to check his name here. Uh, it was, I believe, Anthony. He's right. I don't like the way Sean Payton got up there with a straight face and tried to tell us, uh, you know, what he told us. I, that, that that bothered the hell out of me. So, look, Russell Wilson had good numbers. They didn't really win. He was 11-19. They paid a fortune to get him. This is a highly charged story. I don't really believe he was ever truly Sean Payton's guy. But, believe it or not, I've done some research today, and there are four teams that have had feelers on Russell Wilson already, should that come to fruition next spring. We'll chop that up. And I'm going to reopen phone lines. I was very impressed by the passion, by the succinct nature with which people got their points across, no equivocating. They either liked him or they didn't, and they said why. Outstanding. 877-996-6369 if you didn't get a chance to get in. I want to remind everybody tonight's show is brought to you by Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover, credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. Seriously, so you turn up, check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Keep it locked. We continue with the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Do you love Selena?
0: Like, really love?
1: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
6: All right, back on the Bernie Frato Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Tyrack.com studios here in Las Vegas. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, before I share with you some potential destinations for Russell Wilson in 2024, since I do not believe he'll be back with the Broncos. Last chance to get in, 877-99 on Fox, 877-996-6369. Let's go back to the phones. We're joined by Sir Scratchoff. From Arkansas. Sir?
7: Sir, proud old man for 21 years of driving 25, I go to Fox Sports Radio, buddy.
6: That's what I'm talking I, about. I, I, what are your thoughts on Russell Wilson, Sir Scratch? Well, off? I
7: want to say something. I've been listening to Rams for since the late 70s, and I always said if I ever got rid of the Rams, and I, he, he came into playing football, I would be a Russell Wilson fan wherever he's at. And he went to Seahawks. I like their colors. But now I wouldn't pick him to mow my grass.
6: Why, why is that?
7: It's just, it's just some of the stuff he does, some of the stuff he comes off with. I, I'm just just—I'm just one of them kind of people. I don't put up with all the extra crap. You know, it's just one of them things. He's, he's always thought he was all better, and he thought he was the best. We've had that football, and now they're all sitting on the couch because nobody wants to again, and I can tell you a name right now, and I, I'm glad he's not in football because he made right. football be
6: stupid. All right, Sir so your scratch-off. Always a pleasure, my friend. Happy New Year. We'll catch you next time around. You're the best, uh,
7: Happy New Year, sir.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you can be my agent. Uh, here's the situation. Uh, Russell Wilson, we, one of the things we do in this country is we elevate people to their highest plateau. We do it with celebrities, musicians, athletes, certainly politicians, presidents, only to tear them down. No one escapes it. Nobody escapes it. Russell Wilson, to be fair, I'm a journalist at heart, and I want to always maintain my objectivity, and there are objective truths and our personal feelings. Callers have been outstanding tonight because they have an an invested emotion into this this story. Um, Russell Wilson, for whatever reason, uh, because I've never met him, and I've met a lot of people, and I've been around a long time, and uh, I've had access, and I name drop when it's convenient. No one likes a name dropper, but I've never met Russell Wilson. So I don't know what the vibe is there, but you could tell the recurring theme in these calls was something about Russ bugs him, bugs these people. Uh, And you've heard that in the NFL as well. But I don't really want to go down that road. I think what we have here is a situation that's multifaceted. We have a coach who acted like he would give him a shot. He did. Then he didn't until he didn't. But I also think that Sean Payton shorts aren't clean here either. Russell Wilson had decent numbers, and I watched several Broncos games, and I felt he might have been slightly stifled by Sean Payton's offense. That said, when he couldn't go 30 yards and get them into position to have a field goal Christmas Eve when I was on the air, you felt like they had enough. I don't think they would have done this had Russell Wilson beaten the New England Patriots, but be that as it may, that's water under the bridge. They did this for financial reasons. Sean Payton can say whatever he wants with all due respect. I just don't have to believe it. And I'm not going to repeat it. The bottom line is, they're going to save $39 million by doing it this way. Otherwise, they'd play him in week 17 and 18. You cannot tell, you're not going to convince me Jared Stidham gives him a better chance to win. Sorry. I, I, I'm not buying that, you know. And, and look, no one, whether, regardless of, if you turn back the clock and you realize the Broncos, hey, we got a guy here, right? He's, he's going to get Hall of Fame votes. He's been to two Super Bowls, 1-1. He presided over a successful franchise, although some of the callers felt that maybe it was the defense. It was Legion of Boom. It was the running game, whatever. But irrespective of Broncos, put their money where their mouth was. At one guaranteed. They traded five draft picks and three players. But that's, that's what happens in life. You think Fred Flintstone would have ordered that rack of ribs if he knew he was going to tip his car over? No. That's the way it works in life, but I do think Russell Wilson will have a market next year. Matter of fact, there are four teams emerging with whispers. It's not overreact. One of them is the Raiders. Would he be a fit? Well, first of all, Russell Wilson's got to be released, which I believe will happen. They'll take the $85 million cap hit, spread it out over a couple years. Life will go on. Then the Raiders are going to have to get rid of their own expensive backup, Jimmy Garoppolo. That said... Wilson could be a bridge quarterback for the Raiders. And I have I'm on record as saying I don't know why they haven't given Antonio Pierce the job yet. I think we're going to talk about that later in the show. Don't go big name hunting again, Mark Wilson or Mark uh or Mark Davis. Mark Wilson's my legendary radio partner, Detroit Emmy winner. Emmy Emmy Award winner, Mark Wilson. Uh here's the bottom line. Russell Wilson, I think, has some gas in the tank. The bottom line is why the Raiders they might want him, they might not. I don't know. They need to maybe get their quarterback of the future. They moved on from Derek Carr. They did the same exact thing last year to Derek Carr. The Raiders did. And even Jared Stidham started the final two weeks. Derek Carr found a home in New Orleans. And I, if, if you're going to make me choose between Russell Wilson and Derek Carr, it's not even close. I'll take Russell Wilson. No. Derek Carr was 63 and 79 as a starter. I'm not going to go down that road again. I get a headache. I got a migraine headache talking about that. But the bottom line is the best player, you know, the Raiders have to look to their future, but Wilson could be a good bridge quarterback. How about the Minnesota Vikings? They're going to want Kirk Cousins back, I believe, but frankly, their quarterback plans for 2024 are uncertain because even though Kirk Cousins' contract voids at the conclusion of the season, he's also going to have a lot of offers. And Cousins is probably going to demand a lot of money and so, you know, I think in that case, Wilson could also serve. Russell Wilson could also serve as a as an above average bridge quarterback, and maybe Vikings bring in a youngster and they allow him to develop. Right? Cousins, if he does return to the Vikings, that completely kiboshes any chance of of uh, Russell Wilson going there. That would be the thing to kibosh that. Another name that's cropping up and again. These are whispers. I'm not reporting these as if they are facts. I'm not reporting these as if it's, you know, sourced. They're just whispers. The New England Patriots. Again, the Patriots are likely going to need a quarterback in 2024 after the end of the Mac Jones era. Now, it's not clear yet who's going to be making the decision to bring in the quarterback. And if Bill Belichick is still around, would he be interested in a quick fix plan or instead of a, a long-term rebuild? That would make Russell Wilson an option in New England. On the other hand, the Patriots could end up with a top-two pick, and there might be a lot of reasons to take advantage of that and have a quarterback on a rookie contract, even though you know how dicey it is to draft a quarterback and have him be successful. Now, they they did it with Tom Brady. He was drafted in the seventh round. Believe it or not, since the merger, there have been 144 quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Only nine got the team they were drafted by to the Super Bowl. So the odds of drafting a quarterback and making it work are not... You know, the odds are not in your favor. May the odds ever be in your favor in the Hunger Games, but the odds are not in your favor when you draft a quarterback. The Washington Commanders. Well, (laughs) when Jacoby Brissett started, I kind of like him as a backup. He became the Washington, what, the Redskins-Washington football team Commanders' 36th starting quarterback in the last 30 years. That's not good. That's not good. That's just sad. But for the right price, meaning salary, maybe Russell Wilson would take a flyer. Maybe they'd take a flyer on him. I really can't see Washington trading picks to get him just like uh, uh, Denver did to uh, Seattle. But Wilson could be viewed as a viable option so the franchise seek a quick turnaround. And we don't know if Ron Rivera is going to be back. And Russell Wilson still is a marquee player. Look. We spent a lot of tonight talking about him, and he's been all over the airwaves all week since this happened. There's a reason for that. The truth of the matter, though, is, look, Ron Rivera tried to trade for Russell Wilson back in 2022, but Russell Wilson himself had no interest in joining the commanders. He thought it was a circus, but Dan Snyder owned the team. Then with Snyder out, and there's a possibility Rivera exits. Maybe they try to lure Russell back from – from one Washington or used to be to a new Washington, see what I did there? We shall see. But if the men, if the commandos maintain the number three pick on the draft, well, they may go after a highly touted prospect, right? The, you know, and, and I don't know, uh, maybe they just pair somebody with Sam Howell, or maybe they bring back Jacoby Bissett, who will be a free agent. But I do believe Russell Wilson will have a market, whether you like him or not, and I appreciate everybody's comments tonight. Really good stuff. Coming up. One of our Fox Sports Radio stars has a new TV show. We want to promote that and catch up with the guy you hear every Saturday night. But first, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Wyatt with the latest.
10: Yeah, there's a developing story in college football. ESPN with a report earlier today that said the NCAA is conducting an investigation into allegations that an unnamed college football program gained unauthorized access to materials from Catapult, which provides video services for several schools. Catapult Sports did confirm it has conducted an investigation into the allegations but did not find a breach of its system. The company said it is cooperating with local authorities and the NCAA. As for the bowl action on Friday, the Cotton Bowl saw Missouri win a defensive battle with Ohio State 14-3 as the Tigers scored all 14 of their points in the fourth quarter. The Buckeyes got their 3 in the first quarter were held scoreless thereafter Notre Dame with an Irish jig all over Oregon State in the Sun Bowl down in El Paso 40 to 8 the winner the the winning score for Notre Dame Number 22 Clemson they come from behind victory against Kentucky 38-35 to win the Gator Bowl and Memphis with a win on their home field against Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl 36 to 26 as for late scores from the NBA, Clippers over the Grizzlies 117, 106. LA is 111, other last 13. Trailblazers win a battle of basement dwellers against the Spurs, 134-128. to Suns scorched the Hornets, 133-119. to And the Thunder topped the Nuggets, 119-93. And some NFL injury news, Broncos ruling out Cortland Sutton for Sunday's game against the Chargers due to a concussion. Jerry Judy questionable with an illness. As for the Chargers side of things, Keenan Allen, Joshua Palmer, they've been ruled out due to injuries. Joey Bosa also ruled out. The Jaguars have ruled out Trevor Lawrence for Sunday's game against Carolina due to his right shoulder injury, so C.J. Bethard will get the start. Raiders have listed Josh Jacobs as doubtful for Sunday's game in Indianapolis due to right quad injury. The Chiefs ruling out wide receiver Kadarius Toney for Sunday's game against the Bengals, and they have listed running backs Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Isaiah Pacheco, and running or wide receiver Nicole Hardman as questionable. Alvin Kamara, he's questionable for the Saints for Sunday's game at Tampa Bay due to an illness. And for the Dolphins, Mike McDaniels saying that quarterback Tua Tagovailoa expected to play against the Ravens. However, he has ruled out wide receiver Jalen Waddle. Bengals head coach Zach Taylor saying that wide receiver Jamar Chase limited at practice again today. And uh, Taylor saying, quote, we'll see regarding Chase's chances to play against the Chiefs. And Steelers coach Mike Tomlin confirming it'll be Mason Rudolph starting a quarterback against the Seahawks on Sunday. Back to you, Bernie.
6: All right, let's welcome in a gentleman, one of our Fox Sports Radio teammates. You hear him every Saturday night, 5 to 8 Pacific, with Martin Weiss. They do a great job, very conversational, uh, a lot of sports knowledge. You can follow him on Twitter at Big Vanilla Funny. Say hello to VJ Vernon Husky. Vijay, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, Big Burns? Happy holidays to you. Happy pre New Year to you, brother. Right back at you, and uh, very happy to report and- I have a nice announcement to make. You're not going to be a TV star. Tell the folks about your new <laughs> TV show and where they can find you. And, uh, well, I want to get into your background a little bit, too, so people can learn about you. But tell them about your new show.
15: Yep, man, I just finalized my contract with Infinity TV, which is Los Angeles' number one streaming uh, sports channel out here in L.A. Uh, my TV show is called VJ Say What I Say, which because I'm going to say what I mean and I'm a mean what I say debuts january 8th next week so it'll be every monday afternoon we'll film in the morning then it'll come on in the afternoon it can be picked up on infinity com and also on infinity channel on youtube so i'm very proud of this i'm so happy man i've been working forward to this and looking forward to this it'll be an hour show it's all me we got a bunch of segments we're getting rid of clickbait bernie we're getting rid of personal narratives false narratives just old-school sports talk like you do it, man. Like guys like Ed Patrick and Rich Eisen, guys I listen to. They get rid of all the BS, and they just talk sports, entertaining. I have 20 years of stand-up comedy in my background, so we're going to have a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. I'm, I'm blessed, and I'm super excited about it.
6: Try to keep it real. Talking with V.J. Vernon Husky, his new show, I Said What I Said, and you, I guess it debuts January 8th. Uh, V.J., you just teased that a little bit about your background as a comedian. Tell the folks about your background so they can get to know you. You just finished up your first year anniversary on Fox Sports Radio with Martin. You guys are killing it on Saturday nights. So, uh, in addition to being a comedian, where are you from? Like, wh- wh- Where did you grow up? What high school? What state did you go to high school in? Uh, take us to your chronology.
15: I originally grew up in the DMV area. That stands for D.C., Maryland, and Virginia Tri-State area. Played football, lettered in football, baseball, basketball, and shot put biscuits and track. At Garfield Sierra High School on Smoketown Road in Woodbridge, Virginia, I'm a proud Indian. My pictures are still up there in the, in, the, in the lobby. When I go back home to visit, man, both my parents were in the military. My mother was a colonel in the Pentagon, and my father was an 11 Bravo Airborne Ranger. He actually served in Desert Storm and Desert Shiro under General Schwarzkopf and Colin Powell back in the early 90s. Wow. So very part of that. He was part of the Red Beret Special Forces. Uh, so dad was a grunt. Dad was dad was real, man. My, to this day, dad still doesn't share any stories. So I went into uh, the military fresh out of high school, played some semi-pro football for the Fredericksburg Kodiaks in Northern Virginia also. In my day, a bunch of men's leagues, flag football, things of that nature. Uh, then got into stand-up comedy, man, about 1998, 99, because I was always a class clown getting in trouble for, you know, making kids and, and the teachers and the principal from time to time. Uh, crack jokes and laughs. So I got into stand-up comedy, so I've been doing that. I used to open up for guys like Fat Doctor, Joe Recker, Earthquake, some more, uh, uh, Coco Brown, all the big V comedians that are big-time and famous right now. Got a chance to work with Earthquake over here in L.A., Kevin Hart, LOL. I was on season one, two, and three of his radio show every Tuesday and Wednesday for the first three seasons. And I got into some theater acting. I do theater acting now, man. I've been in uh, maybe four or five plays. I've done about 25 to 30 performances on stage and acting. But Mike Hill, who is a colleague of ours over at Fox Sports 1, used to have a radio show on FSR with um, Kurt Morrison, former Los, uh, Los, uh, Los Angeles Raider before they moved out to um, Oakland and then uh, now to Vegas. I used to come in on his radio show, and he was the guy that really opened the door for me to say, hey, I think you'll be good at this, DJ. We'll bring you in. And I got to talk for a minute or two, and then five minutes, ten minutes, and the next thing you know, met Rob Parker, met Chris Broussard. to introduce me to Scott Shapiro. Scott Shapiro took a listen and said, you know what? I think this kid might have something. And then they ended up letting me fill in on the Yacht Couple, working with Arnie Spanier, Aaron Torres, all the guys there at uh, Fox Sports Radio, George Reister, a bunch of great guys, man. And then uh they ended up giving me and Martin the show uh, last year. So I've been in radio about 15 years. I started on the Scott Farrell Show at Sirius Satellite Radio in New York City under the Howard Stern one oh one division, if you know that in the McGraw building right across mm-hmm. the Steel city music hall. So working with Scott Pharrell and Lou Pellegrino and then uh started my own show and iHeart Radio picked me up, VJ on Sportsmanlike Like Conduct. Five hundred episodes, over twenty thousand downloads. We had listeners from twenty six states in sixteen countries. So it's been a lot of work, man, but it's been it's been fun, it's been great. And that's how I got to this point now. Martin and I, as you just mentioned, passed the one-year mark. This is my six-year mark at Fox Sports Radio. But Martin and I, show has been for one year, and then uh, now I've been blessed for this. Also, quick sidebar, I got my first L.A. taste of television today. I was on Spectrum Sports today doing a segment talking Rams, Chargers, and Michigan in the Rose Bowl. So not only getting my own TV show, I'm doing some part-time work over there at Spectrum Sports also
6: with Vijay Husky here every Saturday night with Martin Weiss from five to eight, and uh, it's good that people get a chance to know you. Thanks to you and your parents for your service to our country. As we wrap it up, tell the tell the folks the primary theme of your show. What you want to accomplish most?
15: What I want to accomplish most is I think the fans. I listen to the people, man. I'm about the people, and I think the fans are. Just tired of the yelling and screaming back and forth and the debates, and they just want to hear sports talk, man. They just want to hear somebody that's going to entertain them, be knowledgeable. We got a bunch of fun segments. I got a segment called Told You So. You got to probably figure out what that segment is going to be. I got a segment called Flag on the Play. Well, oh, I'll pick some things up during the week where, hey, I'm going to throw a flag on you, man. You say some crazy stuff or an athlete does something. Rashad Mendehall is in the news right now. Uh, Antonio Brown's out there in the news again right now. Cam Newton, uh, Flag on the Play. Got a segment called Call Outs. Which I will be calling people out. So put your feelings away, ladies and gentlemen. If you say something wild and crazy, think the fans want to say that. And my favorite one is going to be say it with your chest. And that's if you put a bold prediction out there, say it with your chest. Don't dance around with it. Make a bold prediction. Stick by it. And hey, if you get it wrong, it's okay. Nobody's batting a thousand. Nobody shot a hundred percent from mm-hmm. the field. We miss. Admit it, and let's move on to the next topic. So that's my main thing. Is I want to bring back what I call real classic, entertaining sports talk. I think the people want it. I think other people in the industry would love to see it. And I want to be part of the change and a martyr of a sense of bringing that back to the fans and sports talk radio.
6: Good luck to you, buddy. And we'll all be Thank watching you. on January 8th. That is. Thanks so much, VJ. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and enjoy your weekend. I appreciate have a good show. God bless. Happy New Year and go blue. Michigan by two. Okay, there you have it, my man. Have a good show Saturday. So V.J. Husky with his new TV show and uh, download the podcast. He dropped so much good information there. Had a hard time keeping up with it all, but he explained uh, what his new show's about and uh, and where you can find it. It's Los Angeles-based. Uh, Tonight's show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, you wondered how the NFL would do by taking on the NBA with this Christmas Day triple header? Here's a teaser. They're taking a victory lap. I'll give you the details coming up. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Do you love Selena?
0: Like, really love
3: Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films, and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: All right, we're back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Take you up to 3 a.m. Check that, 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. And tonight's show is of course brought to you by Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled seriously. See terms, check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Coming up top of the hour. I believe that Antonio Pierce is making his case to be the Raiders next head coach. And has made his case to be the Raiders next head coach. Mark Davis does not need to go big-name hunting again. It didn't work with Gruden. Don't tell me it did. It sure as hell didn't work with Josh McDaniels. I remember people telling me, he's going to hire Josh McDaniels. Well, what do I feel about that? Well, is he going to be bringing Brady and Belichick with him? No, guess not then. I don't feel so good about it. Uh, and you saw what happened. One of the reasons, I'll tell you what, I'm going to save this for the top of the hour. I'm going to draw a parallel for the years I covered the Lions in my observations when they would bring in an interim coach and how I can tell that I believe that Antonio Pierce is in fact the right guy and I know somebody's out there listening saying well Bernie you idiot he can't unilaterally hire him yet because according to the Rooney rule Mark Davis must interview at least two external minority candidates before making the hire well he's had a month to do it what's stopping him okay so you got your guy here man don't don't mess around we're going to get into this at the top of the hour speaking of the National Football League well it raised uh, eyebrows when they decided the NFL, the NFL decided that they would go head up with the NBA on Christmas Day Monday and play a triple header well the numbers are in the NFL's taken another victory lap after a very heavily watched Christmas Day triple header Just two days ago, the league announced that Monday's three games drew an average. This is amazing. An average of 28.7 million viewers on TV and digital platforms. That's a 30% increase from last year's Christmas games. 30% increase. And not for nothing, you know, they've had a Christmas game on NFL's had games on Christmas before. Going back to, what, 1971, the famous Chiefs, what, the Chiefs-Dolphins game that went, what, 42 overtimes, made Ed Podolak a national name for a while. Google it, knuckleheads, Ed Podolak. Some people out there, tweet at me if you remember the legendary Ed Podolak. All right, here's the key. All three games, though, on Christmas Day, All three rank among the five most watched Christmas Day games on record in the last 35 years, including the game between Baltimore and San Francisco on Monday Night Football. That drew 27 million viewers. So Christmas Day, I mean, it's incredible what the NFL did. Does this mean we're going to be watching more Christmas Day games next season? Well, that's where it gets a little dicey. Next year, if you've looked at the calendar, Christmas Day falls on a Wednesday. Would they jumble their schedule around? Would the NFL do it? Eh, don't rule it out, man. They're already talking about opening up the season in Brazil, so I think everything's on the table. But here's the kicker. After that, I believe for the next eight years after that, or through check that, through 2029 20, for sure, uh, the NFL will fall on traditional game days like a Thursday or Saturday or Sunday or Monday. And by the way, you know darn well, since the NFL had uh, a Black Friday game after Thanksgiving that was supposed to be the Aaron Rodgers-Green Bay game against the, uh, I, I believe it's against Miami, the, the bottom line is this. Uh, I believe they'll continue having a Black Friday game every, every year. No question in my mind. Maybe even more than one game. More football on more days. By the way, just a quickie. This is so Nick Saban-esque. Alabama coaches are urging their players not to watch film on their tablets in the wake of Michigan's sign-stealing scandal. They're preparing for their bowl game Monday, the semifinal game at the Rose Bowl. The winner, obviously, Captain Obvious, advances to the finals. And they basically, the coaches said, hey, the app we record film off of, uh, they were looking at other plays. You know, play calls, hand signals, whatever. And Alabama is mindful. You know, I'm wondering if if that's bulletin board material for Michigan. I, I really do, because when you make that statement publicly, if you want to do it, fine, but if you make the statement publicly that you don't want your players watching film on their tablets in light of the fact that Michigan had a sign-stealing scandal, some people are going to see it as being overly cautious. Some people might see it as flat-out paranoid. Others will credit Nick Saban for next-level mind games, maybe. But tied players shared that their coaches have recommended that they stay off their individual tablets, and its the exact reason they gave was Michigan's sign-stealing scandal. And apparently, you know, they don't want to want to take any chances. And the players have, have bought into this. So Saban, he's the master of preparation. This is where he lives. I can't wait to see this game on uh, on Monday. We'll break it down heavily, more heavily Sunday night. Is also be in for the Ben Maller show on Sunday night. Coming up, we make the case, I think, well, Antonio Pierce is already doing it. He should be the Raiders' next coach. That's the way I feel, and I'm going to bring receipts. That's the new thing to say today, bring receipts. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Frato Show on Fox Sports Radio. Well, that's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here. Las Vegas, Nevada, Fox Sports Radio, TireRack.com. We'll help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Before I dive into the Antonio Pierce uh, situation with the Raiders and why I believe uh, he should be the head coach and what, what has been transpiring since Josh McDaniels was relieved of his duties is week eight. It's been a, been a minute. The 10 years I covered the Lions, well, I, these are the coaches in order. Wayne Fonts, he got fired. Uh, you had an interim coach uh, in uh, Gary Moeller. Actually, you had Bobby Ross and then Gary Moeller, and then after Ross quit, and uh, then Matt Mellon took over, the legend, hires uh, Marty Morningweg, that didn't work out, brings in Steve Mariucci, fires him, then he had Dick Duron as an interim, and then for the legendary Rod Marinelli. So I like, tell people I saw it all. I saw Barry Sanders last year, and then I saw the 0-16-2018. Uh, Where am I going with this? Whenever an interim coach would come in, The team would straighten up, fly right, play hard, and look a little different for at least a couple of weeks. And then it would go back to what it was before, pretty much. That's not happening here with Antonio Pierce. Nine weeks later, they're playing their ass off for this guy. That's not imagined. I trust my eyes. They tell me a lot. Uh, Now, there's no indication the Raiders have made a decision on Pierce's future yet. Before the season, and I know that you know pundits will say his only experience was as a as a head coach was in high school for four years. However, when you saw the way this team looked in Arrowhead Stadium on Christmas Day, completely frustrating Patrick Mahomes, completely frustrating Travis Kelsey, probably frustrating Taylor Swift in the process. That's quite a trifecta. Even Tony Bruno or Tony Bruno, great guy, Tony Bruno. Tony Romo said toward the end of the game that I think he should be the head coach next year. Uh, Michael Strahan was another who endorsed Pierce. He noticed uh, that this team has genuine renewed energy, and it's real. And, And make no mistake, Pierce knows what it's like to be an NFL player. Played in the league nine seasons, five with the New York Giants, four with the Washington Redskins, one Pro Bowl, won a Super Bowl with New York. Retired after the 2009 season, started coaching Long Beach Poly High School in 2014. Out in Southern California, it's a legendary high school. High school period for the talents produced. Uh, you know, from uh, from Tony Gwynn to Cameron Diaz and a bunch of NFL players. Trust me. Uh, Then he went to Arizona State to be the linebacker's coach and recruiting coordinator under Herm Edwards. And Pierce had actually played his college ball at at Arizona. I think he was teammates with Arnie Spanier. We love Arnie. He was promoted to the Sun Devils defensive coordinator. And, of course, he actually became the associate head coach in 2020. But then joined the Raiders to be the team's linebacker coach two years ago. Somehow, and I know it's mathematic, and it's you, I think you got a, a better chance of Gilligan's Island uh, theme song being recorded by Led Zeppelin and selling a million copies, and the Raiders making the playoffs. But the fact that they're still alive after what's happened, uh, after watching them hand the Chiefs convincingly their sixth loss of the season, the fact that we're even having this conversation, I think it's a no-brainer that Antonio Pierce has positioned himself to be the new favorite to take control of the Raiders' head coaching job. Now, look, Mark Davis, uh, he, he hired John Gruden with his best intentions and paid him a bazillion dollars. It didn't work out. And on the heels of that, it ended in a very unceremonious fashion. And so a guy named Rich Masacci, who was a special teams coordinator, took over the final four games. They won all four games. His audition went well. They could have certainly beaten the Bengals in the playoffs on the road. That was the Bengals team that got to the Super Bowl. But Derek Carr went Derek Carring, you know, did what he does in the fourth quarter, and did what he does on third down, spiking the ball on fourth down and throwing interceptions early in the game, put the Raiders in a hole. And then I actually campaigned for Rich Bisaccia too, went on a couple local shows here in Vegas, but they passed on it. Mark Davis wanted to go big, big name hunting again. And he, people asked me, what do, I, what do I think about Josh McDaniels if they hire him? I said, well, again, if he's bringing Bill Belichick and Tom Brady to come with him, then I'm, I'm all for it. Well, you saw what happened there. So now we have deja vu all over again, Yogi. Antonio Pierce taking over in a difficult situation. And he's making the case to get the full-time job. And... Uh, He's all about wanting to win. It's like a chip off Al Davis' is the, you know, block. He j- just wants to win. He sees a fans, the fan base is behind him. I-, I believe the fan base is very much behind him. We see with our eyes the style of play that is reminiscent of what the Raiders used to be. The Raiders used to take the field to win games on reputation. Look at what that defense is doing right out of left field. They, they, they weren't playing this kind of defense earlier in the year. This is a guy, Antonio Pierce, that loves this job, loves coming to work, loves being here. I think he loves people that work with him and around him. He's very great to the media covering the team. And at the end of the day, yes, he's four and three, and that's not bad. Okay? Uh, Mark Davis, so far as all he said is he's intrigued by Pierce and he's impressed with when he's talked to him. And he just told Pierce, just lead. Don't worry about coaching. Just lead. You don't have to necessarily coach. Delegate to the coordinators and position coaches and, you know, just be someone they can follow. But the Raiders players are speaking up too. Uh, one of their tackles, Jermaine Ellamore, He said the players love playing for Pierce and the GM, the new GM that replaced Dave Ziegler. I should have mentioned that he got let go as well. Champ Kelly. And I know people are. Someone's out there thinking, well, he he can't hire Pierce yet. He's thanks to the Rooney Rule. He's he's got to interview at least two external minority candidates for the job before making the hire. Well, he's had nine weeks to do it. Maybe he could get permission. Be creative. Do what you got to do. I don't. The longer this goes and they don't hire him, I don't like. I don't like the look. I think you get to get to work. Uh, Antonio Pierce brought in Jack Jones, who made a just recently, who made a key. Defensive play to help beat the Chiefs last week. And I I really honestly like – you saw what Sean Payton said the other day. And Sean Payton's a Super Bowl winning coach, and I'm not going to diss him, but I don't like what he did. He got up there on a podium, and he spoke words that most people have a hard time believing. But when Antonio Pierce merely said, quote, my resume's on the grass – which I could put up a fancy presentation. I've seen that before. I could put up stats, I can put up a resume, but the best thing that happened for me was the opportunity. Watch what he's done on the field. That should be his interview. And he said, you know, I really take pride in growing, and every day getting better. No different than when I was a player, get better. And by the end, you look at it, whatever your career was, whatever your coaching career is. Said so that that's this is what it is. You can judge. And by the way, I left out that Pierce had a stint, you know, for a while, more than a, more than a minute, as an analyst on TV. And I always liked. I thought he was insightful. He gave keen observations, and he was able to break it down in bite-sized pieces. That translates to coaching. This coaching is teaching. But let's actually look at some numbers, okay? Under Josh McDaniels, opponents were averaging just under 24 points per game against the Raiders. With Antonio Pierce at the helm, they're now only averaging 15.3 points a game. And he retained the same defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. That's impressive. If you only allow 15 points a game, that's a playoff team. Now, he took over too late in the season, and the season was broken. And they're down to, what, their third-string quarterback. But the turnover margin was minus eight before the switch. That was the first eight weeks of the season. Now it's plus five under Antonio Pierce. The only thing that has changed is the head coach. The Raiders also ranked first in the NFL in scoring defense since Pierce took over. They were 22nd through week eight when Josh McDaniel got fired. Since week nine, the Raiders have blitzed less, a league low 12% of dropbacks. Josh McDaniels used to blitz almost 25% of the time, which is one of the highest in the league. But ironically, even though they're blitzing less, they have more sacks under Antonio Pierce. Pierce had coached the team for seven games. Josh McDaniels had him for eight. Under Josh McDaniels, the team had 16 sacks. Under Antonio Pierce, the team now has 24 sacks. By the way, their opponent's total QBR has dropped from 60 to 39 with Pierce as interim coach. He uses a very kind of a zone-heavy scheme on defense, highest in the league, but he's made this system work. He's gotten the most out of his personnel. And the truth of the matter is he's also down to earth. He was asked after the Christmas Day win on national TV in Kansas City when it was asked to Antonio Pierce, do you think this bolsters your case for the full-time job? Antonio's Pierce was, his, Antonio Pierce's answer was thoughtful. He said, quote, well, we're 2-1 in the division. We beat the Chiefs at home. How many times did that happen in the last 25 years for the Raiders? Does anybody know? I don't know the exact number. Does anybody know? Well, it turned out In the last 25 years, the Raiders actually beat the Chiefs 11 times at Arrowhead, but that's before the Mahomes days, but only twice in the last 11 years. And they did it in fine fashion. Okay? Look, you don't need to be an offensive guru. I don't know how much experience you have to have a coach. You can either do it or you can't. And they're doing it the Pierce way, and the Pierce way is working. Mark Davis, if you're listening, and I believe you are, hire this guy. And I will tell you, I've been around enough to know that I'd bet a finger that if you don't hire Antonio Pierce, you're going to lose this locker room. Far worse than when you lost the Passaccia locker room. I'm really looking forward to what the Raiders do in their final two games at Indianapolis Sunday and then of course the following weekend I'll be there at Allegiant to cover that game as the aforementioned Denver Broncos come to town. Coming up, A player for the Packers was suspended. He won't be playing this weekend for crashing a party, but not the kind of party you might think. Still, this was a real knucklehead move, and it really could have cost the Packers. I'll explain. Coming up, I'm Bernie Fratto. We are coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You are listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Alright back on the Bernie Friday show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live, com studios. Take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. You know, it takes a lot to get to the National Football League. You gotta bring your body, mind, heart, and soul onto the field. You have a have to have a base level of athleticism, but you gotta use your brain. You gotta use your brain. One of the more clever stories I can ever remember involved a young tight end for the Chicago Bears in the 80s. His name was Tim Reitman. Actually went to Mary Star of the Sea High School in Los Angeles where our own David Gascon went. Played at UCLA. ends up with the Bears. And uh, one of the first NFL games he ever played was against the New York Giants who featured the, the dreaded Lawrence Taylor. And... Uh, Reitman lined up at the line of scrimmage and and Lawrence Taylor got right over him and started snarling and he said, Sonny, when that ball is snapped, I'm going to go to the left and I'm going to knock your quarterback on his butt, put him out of the game, and it's going to be all your fault. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. Well, Reitman knew the snap count and the cadence and just precisely before the ball was snapped, Reitman looked... Lawrence Taylor in the eye and said, Mr. Taylor, is that your left or my left? Taylor was momentarily frozen. The ball was snapped. Reitman fires off the line, hits him right in the nuts, and knocks him down. Taylor smiled, wagged his finger at him and said, not bad, Sonny, not bad. Well, I'm guessing the Green Bay Packers wishes their own Jair Alexander might have used his head just a little bit before he decided to crash a party. Well, it really wasn't a party. It was the coin toss. And if you don't believe something can go wrong during the coin toss, in 1998, a game I covered, this was back at the Silverdome, on Thanksgiving Day, the Pittsburgh Steelers played the uh, Lions, and the game went overtime, and they had to flip a coin in overtime, to decide, you know, who'd get the ball, blah, blah, blah. Jerome Bettis said heads. The refs thought he said tails. The Lions got the ball, received, took the ball down the field and scored. Later, it was revealed through video and audio that the refs botched it, that, that you know, Jerome Bettis was telling the truth. I bet Steelers fans remember this because it wasn't a little thing. It was a big thing. It led to a rule change in how the coin toss is, is handled now. But I digress. The bottom line is the Green Bay Packers announced Wednesday that Jair Alexander has been placed on the reserve suspended list for one game, which is this weekend, and it's a big game for Green Bay to play Minnesota for, quote, conduct detrimental to the team. What happened? Well, Alexander inserted himself to be part of the coin toss ahead of the Packers game against the Carolina Panthers last Sunday despite not being a team captain, and his actions almost led to a massive blunder. And this is a team fighting for their playoff lives. Now, the good news is the Packers won 33-30 to on the road against Carolina. But when Alexander crashed the coin toss when team captains were at midfield, here is what happened. When a coin is flipped in a National Football League and you win the toss, you have two chances or two responses. You can receive or you can defer. Okay, what did Alexander say? (laughs) He said, we want to be on defense. What? That's not something you answer. That's not normal nomenclature. You got to know how these things work. Fortunately, the official kept a cooler head, intervened, and questioned if Alexander had actually really meant that he wanted to defer Rather to defend, rather than defend, credit to the referee. We pick on officials a lot, but this is one time that the referee actually saved Green Bay's bacon. I'll tell you why. Because if Jire Alexander had given the wrong answer, Carolina would have received the ball to start in both halves. That's what would have happened. Now after the game... Packers coach Matt LaFleur told reporters well, he was pretty candid. He said what Alexander did was a big mistake. Interestingly enough, Alexander didn't appear to show a whole hell of a lot of remorse Sunday telling reporters after the game that he wanted to be out there because he's from Charlotte. Oh, hell, that's a good reason. You gotta think, man. Think! Now, of course, the Packers have issued all the right platitudes and all the right you know, reportage and public relations statement since, saying, quote, the decision to suspend a player is never easy and not one we take lightly, Brian Gutekun said. He's the Packers general manager. He issued this statement shortly after the Packers announced that Alexander would be suspended. He said, quote, unfortunately, Jair's actions prior to the game in Carolina led us to take this step as an organization. See, we have an expectation that everyone puts the team first. Good what went on to say, quote, while we are disappointed, we had a good conversation with Jair this morning and fully expect him to learn. Oh, there it is. There it is, the proverbial we, we expect to learn from this. Yep. Yep, Ralph Slobotnik, he murdered three people last week, but we had a good conversation. We. He'll learn from this. I'll learn from this. I mean, no one ever learns. That's, I'm so he- tired of hearing that. Back to the Draymond thing. What, what's he going to learn? Nothing. What, what's Jagger going to learn? Not to go out and do the coin tops anymore? What, what's he going to learn? What a dumb statement. As we move forward together, except you're not moving forward together, you're suspending him for a game. What, why'd you really suspend him? Why don't you give the real reason? But we look forward to welcoming him back next week as a valued member of this team, It will continue to be at the future. Sounds like some high school JV basketball banquet where the coach has to say something about everybody, even if some poor kid played four minutes all season. You got to say something, right? Well, the bottom line though is, the longer I live, the more you think you've seen it all, but you see something new. So there you have it. No Jair Alexander. He's being suspended because he almost cost the Packers a serious situation during the coin toss uh, before the Charlotte game, or before the Carolina game last Sunday. And, oh, by the way, um, he's not even a captain. He shouldn't have been there. By the way, just a quickie. After all the teeth gnashing, belly aching, lawyering up, whatever you want to call it, about Florida State not being selected, And I get it. I've been over this a thousand times. I get it. They were deserving. Unfortunately, deserving is not a word that appears in the bylaws. Florida State received another dose of bad news the other day before their Orange Bowl Bowl matchup with Georgia, which is about 24 hours away from now. Their second-string quarterback, Tate Rodemaker, which I, I believe was going to be the heir apparent when Jordan Travis graduated, he informed Florida State he intends to enter the NCAA portal and he will forego the Orange Bowl. Unreal. That means Florida State. Well, they will start that freshman, Brock Glenn, as the number five Seminoles and the number six Bulldogs tee it up Saturday. And obviously, despite not being a part of the college football playoff, I was actually looking forward to a game of pride between Florida State, who's thirteen and zero, and did win the ACC, and twelve and one Georgia, who uh, who got beat by Alabama, and because they didn't uh, they didn't win their conference didn't win their conference championship. You're not going to leave out a one-loss Alabama team that's the SEC champion. You're not going to leave out the SEC when they won five of the last six, 14 of the last 20, They're the only one to knock off Georgia the last 30 games. They were trying to three-peat. You can't leave out Texas. Texas was the Big 12 one-loss championship team, and they beat Alabama. Meanwhile, you got two other undefeated teams. And if you're telling me Florida State with a third-string quarterback or second-string quarterback was better than undefeated Washington or undefeated uh, um Michigan, I'm not I'm, I'm, not buying it. I'm not buying it. And Baradamaker said the decision to enter the portal was incredibly difficult. I'd like to know why he did it. I, I'm curious. Nothing against him. Just want to know what the reason is. And the timing is weird. It's too bad. What could have been a great bowl game has gone down the toilet. Coming up, we got Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Wired, with the latest.
10: Yeah, ESPN with a story on a Friday evening saying that the NCAA is conducting an investigation into allegations that an unnamed college football program gained unauthorized access to materials from Catapult, who provides video services for several schools. So, according to ESPN, Catapult Sports confirmed it has conducted an investigation into the allegations, but did not find a breach of its system. The company said if it is co- it is cooperating with local authorities and the NCAA. Bowl action on Friday. The Cotton Bowl was actually a defensive struggle. A low-scoring affair that saw Missouri win it against Ohio State. 14-3. The Tigers got all 14 points in the fourth quarter. The Buckeyes scored a field goal in the first and were held scoreless thereafter. Notre Dame with a big win against Oregon State in the Sun Bowl, 40-8. Number 22 Clemson, a come-from-behind victory in the Gator Bowl. They beat Kentucky 38-35. And the Liberty Bulls saw Memphis win on their home field against Iowa State, 36-26. Some uh, late-night NBA action from the West Coast. Clippers over the Grizzlies, 117-106. L.A. is won 11-13. The Battle of Bottom feeders saw the Trailblazers winning it against the Spurs, 134-128. Suns scorched the Hornets, 133-119. Thunder topped the Nuggets, 119-293. And some NFL injury news, the Broncos ruling out Cortland Sutton for Sunday's game against the Chargers because of a concussion. Jerry Judy is questionable. For the Chargers, Keenan Allen, Josh, Joshua Palmer, they have been ruled out. Joey Bosa also ruled out. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence has been ruled out for Sunday's game against Carolina due to his right shoulder injury, so it'll be C.J. Bethard getting the start. Raiders listing running back Josh Jacobs is doubtful for Sunday's game at Indianapolis due to a quad injury. The Chiefs have ruled out wide receiver Kadarius Toney for their matchup against the Bengals. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Isaiah Pacheco, Nicole Hardman all listed as questionable. Saints running back Alvin Kamara, he's questionable for Sunday's game against Tampa Bay because of an illness. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel saying, Tua Tagovailoa expected to play against the Ravens. However, they did rule out Jalen Waddell. And Jamar Chase, limited in practice again today for the Bengals. Head coach Zach Taylor saying, quote, we'll see regarding Chase's availability on Sunday. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. He is confirming quarterback Mason Rudolph will start against the Seahawks, and Titans coach Mike Vrabel saying quarterback Will Levis coming off a high ankle sprain in line to start against the Texans. Back to you, Bernie. All right,
6: thanks, Kevin. At this time every week in our year-end wrap-up: Chris Perfetz, World of Soccer.
13: The greatest goals.
10: I've just seen the most insane goal I
7: have ever seen.
5: The thrilling finishes. Goal! International drama. El chicharito, chicharito, chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. Here in this report from the world of soccer. Happy 2024, Bernie. Happy New Year. It's almost upon us here as we sit here in the final hours, the final precipice leading into the new year. It has been a wonderful year here for the world of soccer. Thank you, as always, to continuing our commitment to the world's game here on the airways of Fox Sports Radio. It's been a journey, and let's talk, take a little bit of a moment to talk about what that journey has been as we look back to the year that was 2023 and what it meant for soccer and the world of soccer and a look ahead to the year that's coming. Well, where do you even begin to start? There's so much happened in the world of soccer. I suppose we could start with FIFA itself. We could talk about the Women's World Cup, the end of the era that was for the United States women's national team as they failed to make a three-peat, to start, stamp their name into history as their veterans said farewell, like such as Megan Rapino and the new stars of the women's team have yet to really bring championship glory to really stamp their name on the legacy of that team. Instead, it was Spain who walked away with the trophy this year and their championship and their celebration really overshadowed by the antics of Spanish Federation President Luis Rubiales And the kiss that ruined it all and plunged that nation, FIFA, and really all of women's world world soccer into chaos until finally he was forced from the spotlight. In the men's game, so much has happened. And I suppose we start with the biggest name out there, the power of one man to change a nation, Lionel Messi. Yes, the man who won the Blondie or for 2023 as the greatest men's footballer of the year. No surprise. There as he comes stateside He leaves Paris Saint-Germain We'll get more on them in a second And comes to Inter-Miami To follow in the footsteps Of David Beckham, the partial Owner of Inter-Miami And becomes the face For the Premier Soccer League Of the United States And they earned trophies This year, they did Earn the league's cup in a Face-off between MLS clubs And the clubs of Liga MX of Mexico. While they failed to make the playoffs this year, they will be a prime favorite for years to come. And really, Lionel Messi's bigger impact seems to be on the business side, to bring eyeballs to MLS, to spike numbers on Apple TV's streaming service, and bring some attention to MLS, which has remained still and is still a league and a sport in this country that people have doubts about, especially since we did this before with with Pele remember? For the time being, however, the greatest player in the world plays in America. And the Saudis had something to say about it as well when it comes to their own stamp. Because where Lionel Messi went to America, it was Cristiano Ronaldo, the other great of this generation, who went to Saudi Arabia as the country became a destination for top names like Ronaldo and Karim Benzema and Neymar. Men who we have identified with representing football in Europe for so many years, pushing the Su- the Saudi Super League into the spotlight and the staggering amount of money that the Saudis throw around. And we come to Europe. We come to the clubs of UEFA. We come to the dominance of Manchester City, not just in England in the Premier League, but also in the Champions League, being the, the champions of Europe to have five trophies in a year, adding to both of those the FIFA Club World Cup, the FA Cup, and the Carabao League Cup. And it all came really with the rising star of their young player, Erling Holland, the Norwegian phenom, who was a goal scoring machine all year long and remains one of their strongest pieces as they look to try to continue their dominance into 2024. But let's go to other countries. In Italy, a historic title for Napoli, the legendary club that was once home. Home to the legendary, legendary Maradona. And yes, since Maradona's time, they had failed to capture the Scudetto, the trophy of winning the Italian Serie A. And they did with wonderful players like Victor Osiman and Kavichka Faraxelia. I hope I said his name right. In Spain, Barcelona rose from their financial ashes to claim a dominant La Liga title, even as they stamped for the first time a sponsor across their Stadium And across their jerseys in Germany, the Giants Bayern Munich held on for yet another Bundesliga title, holding on for dear life and tying in points against Borussia Dortmund, their long rivals in the league. And in France, who dropped out from being the top, one of the top five countries' leagues in UEFA in 2023, falling behind Portugal, it seems like the end of an era for Paris Saint-Germain, a club that has spent so much and so desperately wanted not just French glory, but European glory, and chased for so long a Champions League crown, and appears empty-handed as Lionel Messi goes stateside, and Neymar has for Saudi Arabia, leaving them with Kylian Mbappe, whose future as we'll see for 2024 remains up in the air. So, as we get prepare for 2024, what will the new year hold? Well, it's an even year, which means it's an exciting year in soccer. Copa America, one of the two great in-between World Cup competitions is coming to the United States as they will host. And it won't just be the South American countries competing, but it will also be with them the United States, Mexico, And several other top nations from the CONCACAF North American region Setting up for a very fun and a very competitive tournament And one that the United States really has a chance to show how far they've come in the men's game Euros waits around the corner in UEFA And can England claim that title that has eluded them for so long? And in the club scene, the backdrop of the continued attempts to lift off the European Super League remain. It doesn't seem to go away and has pushed UEFA to make changes to the Champions League, one that will be coming here in the second half of 2024. But most importantly, Bernie, January 1st opens the transfer window across Europe and right out of the gate. The question is, can Real Madrid make this work? A once again reported push and maybe a final push to land the services of Kylian Mbappe on the transfer of Paris Saint-Germain, the club that we know Mbappe grew up adoring that has wanted him for so long to have that superstar. But can they pull them away from the French Giants? We will see. Happy New Year, Bernie. And to all those out there in the world of soccer, celebrate well, celebrate safely, and we'll see you soon. Happy New Year, Chris. Another year of reportage
6: of Chris's World of Soccer. We started this uh, feature a few months before the Men's World Cup kicked it off uh, late last year, wrapping up about this time a year ago. We are way ahead of the curve. Of course, everybody jumped on board when World Cup started. That led into Women's World Cup this past summer and of course we're now just six months away or so from the paris olympics where soccer will again be on the world stage but as you know if you listen to these features and you start to recognize some of the names and backstories uh there's news uh regarding soccer they call it football around the world 24 7 on and off the field Tonight's show brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, we wrap up the show, and we look ahead to a key NFL matchup Saturday night in what should be a very exciting game between the Cowboys and the Lions. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports
0: Radio.
1: Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
6: On the Bernie Fratto Show, we are coming to you live from the com studios here in Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Before I go any further, I not only want to thank my broadcast team, I want to thank all the callers who weighed in tonight. Uh, we must have had at least 10 callers in a very short amount of time. Uh, very passionate thoughts on the Russell Wilson situation. Some are in his corner, most are not. Interesting, uh, but thoughtful comments backed by what I would consider to be relevant specifics. And uh, this is important because she had an idea. We're going to run with it. Uh, we're not going to have any more contests like we had, but what we are going to have is every Friday night at midnight, the midnight hour, we'll have a, a, a topic that's hot in the news And we want to see where you folks weigh in. In this particular case, you know, this story has gotten a little weird. Sean Payton, they went, you know, Derek Carr on Russell Wilson. So they don't have to pay him $39 million next year. I explained all the mechanics earlier. And uh, I think you'll see Russell Wilson elsewhere in the league next year. Although other people defended him. Uh, Russell Wilson's numbers weren't that bad. As a matter of fact, they believe he might have been stifled by Sean Payton's offense when he was able to work off script. He was effective. Irrespective of that, I don't think he was ever Sean Payton's guy. And it got even weirder when Russell Wilson allegedly said today that he wants to stay in Denver. But the point is, is every Friday night on the Bernie Fratto Show, at midnight, the midnight hour, he's here to stay. I was impressed with the callers. Um... I'll be back on these airwaves Saturday night at 11 p.m. Again, for the Bernie Fratto show, break down a heavy schedule. Week 17 in the NFL, we start to get into some playoff projections, playoff scenarios, who has to do what to move up, clinch a playoff spot, who could be eliminated. Uh, we'll get into the college football playoff got an update on Draymond Green, uh, Jim Harbaugh, and of course, what kind of brand new fool are you and what my name? I have a guest from Detroit, by the way, Dan Leach, many years at 97.1, the flagship in Detroit, he'll be weighing in on the Lions. Also be back on these airwaves Sunday night, New Year's Eve, 11 p.m. Pacific, hosting the final Ben Maller show of the 2023 calendar, and I'm very happy that my crew, uh, Shea Mogengard, and Kevin Wyatt on the updates, and Mark Ramsey, our technical producer, will be with me. We'll have the whole mishpuka together. I'm glad to hear that. The guys do a great job. Appreciate everything they do, keeping the show glued together, turning all the dials so that uh, we are audible over our 600 affiliates and SiriusXM83 and the like. All right. In about, let's see, 15 hours from now, little maybe 15 and a half hours from now, the Detroit Lions, 11-4, who just clinched their first division since 1993, will travel to Big D and see whether or not the Cowboys, who have won 15 in a row at home, 7-0 this year. Their road home splits are ridiculous. They're 10-5 now. Yeah, we're not living in a bizarre world. The Lions are 11-4, and four, the Niners are 11-4, and four, and the Eagles are 11-4. I think the Niners will still have the number one seed, but if if the Lions win Saturday night, it could get interesting. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, they need a big win to keep their NFC East title hopes alive. More importantly, they need a victory to stop a two-game losing streak and try to beat a quality team while heading into the postseason. I think Dallas needs this psychologically. The Lions still have home field advantage dreams, Obviously, they have are going to have at least one game at home, and somehow, if they pull this off, this could happen. What happened in 1991, where they went 12 and four and would have had home field advantage throughout the play. The bottom line is, let's not let's not look back. Let's look forward. Too many people have said same old lines, and I've been telling you for a long time, the culture has changed dramatically, and I told you when it happened last year when they fired Aubrey Pleasant, they went 8-2 and two down the stretch. They're 11-4 this year. Yeah, these Detroit Lions, 19-6 in the last 25 games. Now, I realize people don't necessarily believe in Jaron Goff. I do. I think he's better than a lot of people realize, but he may turn the ball over. He'll face a Cowboys defense that leads the league in pressure percentage, but here's the deal. We don't know how the Lions are going to react after winning the division last week. Do they calm down? Do they celebrate? I'm not one of those people that tries to practice psychology without a license. You're guys talking about, well, it's a sandwich game because it's between two. You don't know what's going on in that locker room. You might be right. You might not. But I wouldn't proclaim that. What do I think is going to happen? I think the Cowboys are going to win. But I think it's going to be a close game, too. For some reason, the Lions gone from six to four and a half. Obviously, a lot of Detroit money has come in. But you'll be watching kickoff 5:15 p.m pacific lions and cowboys cowboys currently laying four and a half that is going to do it for the bernie frattle show back on these airwaves tonight saturday night 11 p.m in the meantime keep it locked up next the fellas on fox sports radio
0: life's better with american family insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind
13: Products not
8: available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company SI and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
4: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novela,
1: which is a fancy way of saying a a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at first listen. listen.